Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 67 of the Galen Trombley Show, we have Mark Henry. He is the chairperson of the Clinton County Legislator, um, a newly newly elected position he just took over. Um, I've known uh, Mr. Henry, as I've always called him, for God as far back as I can remember. Um, I spent a lot of time with him, and uh, him and or his son is one of my best friends. So I hope you guys enjoy episode 67 of the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 67 of the Galen Trombley Show. I am lucky to be joined today by someone that I've known almost my entire price from memory, my earliest memory, but uh, Mark Henry. Um, I probably spent more time at his house than he could probably count right now when I was a kid growing up, but uh, he is now the chairperson of the Clinton County Legislator, and again, I've known him since his, I guess, time at the Border Patrol long, long ago, but um, so for anybody that does not know who you are, well, first, welcome to the, the show, and then give us kind of a background, how you became 2020 chairman of the Clinton County Legislator, and all, everything all the way up to... Holy cow, I can do that. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You haven't been around that long, so it shouldn't take too long, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, good afternoon. Yes, I have known you for a very long time, since you were born, basically. Uh, Well, I guess the place to start, as I say, is uh, at the beginning. So I'll start at the beginning. Uh, I grew up in Alexandria Bay, New York, over on the St. Lawrence River uh, by Watertown. I graduated from school there. And when you started saying about being chairman of the Clinton County Legislature, believe it or not, um, I started thinking about being a county legislator over there at that time, Jefferson County. When I was probably 13 or 14 years old, my dad was involved in politics. His best friend uh, was in the Jefferson County legislature at the time. And I used to listen to them talk. Um, you know, as a kid, I was a kid, so, but they would talk and I would listen to them. And at first, the things that were interesting to me as a kid is, oh, all the inside baseball things of politics, who's up and who's down and who's going to get elected and who's not going to get elected and their thoughts on things like that. But as I grew older, um, I realized, too, that that was a level of government that you could do the most for a lot of people. Um, The county has vast um, responsibilities from roads uh, to bridges to the sheriff's department to the district attorney's office to nursing homes to foster children to welfare they affect a lot of people right where they live right at home and so i said well if i ever get a chance someday i'll get into politics um but of course you're a kid so um anyways i i left the bay I, i went in the military for four years I got out of the military uh, at the end of my hitch and uh, joined the police department in New York. I was there for three years. Uh, and then from there, I went into Border Patrol, and I was in Texas and Arizona. And then I transferred up here where I was only going to spend a few years, and then I would quickly go back to Texas or Arizona. 
and that never happened. And uh, so I stayed around here for a very long time, and that's how I got to know you. Um, when you moved to Shazy, right? When you like when you moved up here, yep. you moved to Shazy, yeah. And you've lived there since how long, for how long? I got here in '78. I lived in Rosses Point for a couple three years, okay. um, but we got up here in '78, and so I've been here since 1978. Wow. Okay. And you were in the police department in New York City? NYPD? No, no, not New York City. Here in New York State, I'm over by Alexandria Bay. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. That's why I thought. I'm like, I don't think you went yeah. to New York City. No, 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 no. Um, so you Navy, right? Yeah, I was in the Navy four so, years. So actually, over four years, I got extended. They couldn't do without me, so that's, they kept me two more years where, where, or did, two more days. Did you have months. to go anywhere? Like, I mean, because you went I was all over. I was uh, all over. I was in the North Atlantic. I was in Africa. I was in the Black Sea. I was in the Mediterranean Sea, the Caribbean, Cuba, Russia, a lot of different places. Yes. Yeah, I thought you traveled around. What, yep. what, what was from your memory from that, what was kind of the most unique place you went? I think when we were What's, in the Black Sea in Russia, it wasn't, it's, I mean, obviously it's a place, it's the sea, mm-hmm. but it's not a city. Or, but when we were in the Black Sea in Russia, um, I thought that was one of, we went up through the Dardanelles, up through Constantinople, up into the Black Sea, and we were there for about two weeks. They still do that. They still make a cruise up there to show the flag. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. We had, uh, we had the Russian bombers, the bear bombers, I think they were at that time would come over and the sh- their ships, Russian ships would get as close to us as they could. And uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting place to be. Was this like around the sev- early seventies? No, it was Late. before that. This would Yes. This would have been, I started in 1968. So I'd have been in the black sea and say 69 or 70. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, did you, was it just at, on water the whole time? Did you ever get, Oh land? no, I was in, Oh no, I was in so, a lot of places I was in. But I mean like during the black sea, was that just, uh, no, water? Stayed, no, just down the water. That's all we did. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't land anywhere there. And in the black sea, just cause how dark it is. It is dark. It's shallow. It's uh, but it's a big sea. I mean, you know, and, uh, it's the international water. So the reason that the U S I think continues to go up there. In fact, I think I saw where a Navy ship was up there not very long ago. Um, up into the Black Sea to show the flag, international waters, to show the folks there there that these are international waters. So the rule with international waters is really no governing body, right? So it's kinda, that's right. But it's yeah. not like it's is, is it a free for all there, or is it, it kind of there's kind of like probably some unwritten rules? Well, it's kind of you know it's it's I, it's not exactly like this, but it would be kind of like the Russians going on Lake Ontario mm-hmm. and floating around out there. You know, I don't know that anybody would be too comfortable with that sometimes especially yeah. back then yeah um it was different then they had the cold war had a lot going on um so it was a little bit like that so you, you it's international waters and you want to show that we're going to go where we can go um so when you went down to texas and arizona is that did you like it down there i loved it down there so that was some, some place you wanted to go back to oh sure i'd have gone back in a minute i think if i'd have had the opportunity so, yeah so i think i would have did you think i mean would you have gotten the opportunity or did you think or did oh, you just stay up here because of no i had the opportunity i had the opportunity to go but i came up here when i arrived with the idea of spending i didn't know i didn't have a time frame two three four years mm-hmm. um and then i would head back down uh and work down there for the border patrol uh but I got up here and one thing led to another and I did have opportunities to go, uh, but I turned them down. It was like, nah, I like it here. This is, this is where I was meant and, to be. And had you, had you ever been, was it always Champlain border or was it, no, you were Swanton. I mean, at the time. That's right. Well, I started out when I came up here first, I was at the Rouse's Point station, okay. which is just up from the uh, school where you went to school at. Yep. I was up there. And then um, that office changed to uh, Champlain on the Ridge Road, right across from Smith Oil. There's a Border Patrol station mm-hmm. there on the Ridge Road. I was there. I opened that station up. It was brand new uh, when I went there. 
And then from there, I went over to what, uh, what we call sector headquarters over at Swanton, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And I worked over there on staff as assistant chief, deputy chief, acting chief. Uh, and then I retired. retired. So you were, you were in the Border Patrol for... Four? 35 years. 35? I was going to say doing the math. When did you retire? Well, I, reti- I kind of retired twice. Yeah. I retired. <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I retired officially because uh, with many law enforcement jobs, federal law enforcement jobs, um, you, you can only work until you're 57. You have to retire at okay. 57. So the, in 2005, um, I was turning 57. Okay. So it came time for me to retire um, because I hit the age limit or was going to very soon. And so I did. Um, I was out about, I don't know, two years. And I had an opportunity to go back is what they call a rehired annuitant. Mm -hmm. So they called me up and we did the paperwork and asked if I'd be interested in going back as a rehired annuitant to run some programs, run Mm -hmm. certain programs. Um, So it was like, yeah, I'll give that a shot. So it was supposed to be one or two years. And I went back and it was, I think six, five anyways, mm-hmm. but I think it was six. Yeah. Cause I remember, I mean, I remember you retiring, but it's, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it, you know, when you yeah, actually look back, I'm like, okay, yeah. no, it was a long time. That goes fast. Um, so you went back and, and that was when you were kind of doing more like research and do, um, uh, what was the college you were? Well, they had, they, I, I, I was, uh, in a couple of programs there at the same time. They do, you know, you do two or three different things. One of the things I was doing, um, we wanted to, when I say we, I mean the Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. I, the Border Patrol. Big we, yes. Yeah, the big we. A lot of, lot of we's. <laughs> uh, the Border Patrol wanted to improve their surveillance techniques up here on the northern border. And I had always been in favor of that. I always thought that was a really good idea. So I kind of got involved in that on the ground floor. And we started some programs um, with uh, Department of Homeland Security, um, Science and Technology Division. And then we also uh, had uh, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Uh, their uh, Lincoln Labs were involved. And so we did things with uh, radar and sonar and, and, and um, sensors that were in the ground and infrared and different things like that uh, to see if we could make them work effectively um, in our area because what might work very well in the deserts of Texas and Arizona don't necessarily work so well in two feet of snow when it's 20 below zero in frozen ground. And you have the issue of getting power to them as well. How do you power these things? So those were some of the problems that we ran uh, uh, into that we wanted to improve on. How do you monitor an area um, that's desolate, has no power, and faces environmental uh, challenges like nowhere else. And so you have to build things uh, to fit that. And that's what the program was about. And we would do pilot programs, and then we'd improve on those pilot programs, and some of that stuff is still out there today in different models, not the same stuff. So what's been the biggest thing um, to change from when you first went to the Border Patrol to now? I mean, obviously technology's changed tremendously. Oh, it has. What is, I mean, are things done? Because I always look like military. If you look at like the history of the military and you went from, I mean, a long time ago when like World War I, the technology and the tactics, and even all the way back to like the Revolutionary War and, and how things have progressed with technology and obviously with being a little bit more educated on, the you know, 
warfare and, and sure. kind of translating that to the Border Patrol. Obviously, you guys are in a protected... You're in a branch that is, is a defense branch, pretty much, right? Defen- more defense than offense, you know, in the sense that you're protecting the border. Do you think? Do you guys find that you go more on defense than offense? Because you're defending the border, but I guess maybe you have. Well, to you're have out a level to do that. Offense, or proactively, I guess. Stopping. Yes, there, that yeah. that would be a better word. Yeah, you're you're correct. Obviously, you're 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 defending the border. You're protecting uh, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not limited only to the border area, but that's primarily where the border patrol works obviously but you have to be proactive in order to do that you have to know what's going on so you're out there you're patrolling you're driving around you're on snowmobiles or you had uh, uh, lake patrol or you have helicopters and fixed wing aircraft you have all these sensors to help monitor areas uh, where perhaps uh, you can't get to on a regular basis or at least help expand your reach for the area you're working Um, so and you're trying to come up with these proactive programs um, to do that, to control this area. Uh, we had 300 miles of border. So what? how do you control 300 miles of border with X number of people? Because mm-hmm. you don't have an unlimited number of people. You don't have an unlimited number of equipment. And I know people think that the federal government has all the money in the world, but even the federal government only has limited money in your program. You've only got so much money. So what are the resources that you have that you can use and how to use them most effectively to control an area, whether it's 300 miles or a mile or whatever it is. Um, The things that have changed the most, I would say, is that's one. But I think even bigger than that is the size of the Border Patrol. I mean, the Border Patrol has grown exponentially since every year I was in, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now it's at like 20,000 agents. So it's gotten way bigger um, from when I started to where it is today. And I was fortunate to be part of that growth uh, and actually even oversee and supervise some of that growth. Um, so how many, how many sectors, is sectors, right? Is that yep. what it's called? Oh, the Border Patrol. You know, like 20 something? 22. 22. Yes. So yep. when you were the deputy that, or of the acting Swanton deputy, sector. that was, you were no, one No, I was the deputy of Swanton Sector. Okay. But then I became the acting chief of Swanton Sector. Ch- okay, chief. But so I, there's only 22 chiefs. There's 22 chiefs in the Border Patrol. That's correct. Yeah. So then how, there's one chief. Of the Border Patrol. One chief of the chiefs? and he, That's right. And he's in Washington, D.C. Okay. So the one in, so the one at the person in D.C. at the time, you must have known that. Yes, I did very well. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, Gus de Lavinia. Yes. So, so he oversaw, obviously, the entire border, and then you guys are kind of like the managers or heads of exactly. each, each that's branch. That's exactly right. Yes. So what was that experience like coming from more of, you know, you kind of, I mean, you worked your way up for just patrolmen. From an agent. Or right. agent all the way up to chief. Yes. So how was that climb like? Took time, obviously, but... Oh, it took a lot of years. Oh, yeah. It took a lot of years. It's... What was it like? It was was challenging. Um, It was interesting. Sometimes it was disheartening when they would pick somebody over you. Mm -hmm. But I I think as as I went up through the ranks, and then I was one of the people that selected people. Mm-hmm. And usually if, if you have a slot, let's say you have a slot open to kind of show you what it might be like. If you have a slot open, maybe 10 border patrol agents put in for that slot, that promotion. Well, maybe you only, you winnow that 10 down to three. And of those three, obviously you can only pick one. And the other two, or maybe even the other 10 that didn't make it that far, the other seven that didn't make it that far, 
will be disappointed. And I, and they, I would expect them to be, as I was mm-hmm. when, when I got told no on occasion. But I'll tell you what I look for because there was always openings. I mean, not always, but they would regularly come. People would retire. People would transfer. So you always had an opening. I would watch the two that you didn't select mm-hmm. over time and see how they took that. I expected them to be disappointed, uh, but I still expected them to show up at work the next day and do the best job they can um, and maybe pout a little bit for a few days, but get over it mm-hmm. and move on. Uh, and if they did that, um, it was a lesson they learned and it showed me that this was a type of person that could handle adversity. Um, not that you wouldn't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, but could handle adversity and uh, maybe we got a slot for you next time. So, yeah, because I, I think that would be, I, I, I obviously have never been in a position like that, but I could see that being, especially when you're, you're kind of, everything's kind of out of, it's out of your control. Like how you react to it's one thing, but like you That's said, right. no, it's just amongst whatever you're, what if it's three to five yeah. to seven people that are And usually decisions. they're all very qualified. It was a hard decision. It's not like one was sometimes head and shoulders over everybody else. Yeah. You know, you didn't do this, but sometimes you could flip a coin and you'd probably be all right. Yeah. It just, yeah. But you got to pick one. Um, so did you find that having, at the time when you were the chief, were you, you were on the, was the board, Shazy board, was that your first time going into like kind of an office setting? I say office, but like elected oh, office. Oh, I see. Oh yeah. For, for the, uh, well, first I was on, the uh, Shazy School Board. I was on the Board of Education okay. for 13 years. That's an elected office. That's well, a f- that's, sorry, that's the one I meant. Was this, yes, yeah, the Shazy, Shazy School Board. Yep. Yeah. And I was on there for 13 years. I was president for eight. I was on there with your dad, as you well know. Yep. He's still on there, and uh, he is now uh, the president of the school board and doing a great job. Uh, so that was my first foray into politics. And that was what year, roughly, did you get into that? I think 2000. I think that was 2000. Okay, because my, my dad was just after that, right? Oh, four, yeah, like maybe? a year. He came on like a year after me. Okay. And now he has more time on than I do. I think he's got like 15 now. I think he's almost, I think he's almost off. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But he's been, he's been on for quite a while. I know, okay. But he's always like that, and then he runs again, I think. So. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no term limits <laughs> for, I guess, the, the board. So, yeah. um, so did, did you have an, it, that was roughly about the time that you were around the chief, uh, the board patrol? Uh, I was a sit right in there. Well, I was uh, a supervisor, what you call a supervisor, uh, when I started out, and then I was assistant chief, which is another rank, and then I was deputy chief. So the answer is yes. So when you went into was when you went into the school board, I mean that was obviously it's not really political at that point. It's still elected, elected, but it's not like you're not going into. I guess it's kind of like has a little bit of politics. In oh, it absolutely. But, Anybody who thinks the school board doesn't have politics yeah. to it is is, is so, a little nice. So was that kind of like your intro that you wanted to kind of get your toes wet into politics? Yes, and, and I went against the advice that my dad gave me, and I went against the advice that Larry Paquette gave me. Now Larry is is long since dead, as as is my father, but. Um, Larry had the insurance company up in Champlain, Larry Paquette, Paquette's Insurance. And he reminded me of my dad. For they had kind of the same mannerisms and things. And coincidentally, years apart, they both gave me the same advice because I would talk to my dad about politics. I was always interested in politics. Whether I got into office or not, I was always interested in politics and policy. Not so much the politics of it, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat or who's, who wins or who won't. The po- is it a good policy? Is it a bad policy? Why is it a good policy or why is it a bad policy? That's what I was primarily interested in. Mm-hmm. The rest of it was just the way it was. 
Anyhow, my dad told me and Larry Paquette told me, Mark, if you want to be in politics, don't ever start out on the school board. Because if you're on the school board, by the time you're done, you're going to have told everybody in town no on one at one time or another. And the superintendent will be mad at you, and the teachers will be mad at you, and, and, and the parents and the children will be mad at you, the students will be mad at you, and you can't ever build a political career off being on the school board. Well, I went against that, and I did it. <laughs> but they were, did they it. were tr- probably truth. There's yeah, oh, there is some truth to that. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yep. No. No, it can be an advantage, but it, there's there's some disadvantages to it as well. So, um, and then obviously that rolled into the supervisor, right? Did you, yes. Did you, you were, were you on the council at all, Shazy, or just right no, the no, supervisor? No, no, I went, no, I, um, I was in my, uh, well, not really. It was my last year because then I took over as town supervisor. I was elected as town supervisor. So in, uh, what was it, 2013? Is that right? Could be, um, yeah. Uh, 2013, I was approached to run as town supervisor. I was still on the school board, president of the school board. And uh, I said no three times to running, three times. And the fourth time they came to see me, and I said, all right, I'll do it. Was Staub on before you? Yes, yeah. he was. That's who I followed, Staub yeah. Spiegel. And uh, so I said, okay. So I ran, and we had a campaign, and I won. And uh, then I became uh, town supervisor for Shay Z. And because I became town supervisor, I had to resign my position from the school board that I'd been on for a long time. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was fine. And uh, started as uh, Shazy Town Supervisor. So what's the difference between those two that you found? There's more similarities, more differences? I think they're, they're, all boards are basically the same. I mean, you've got to get along with people. You have to listen. You have to respect others' opinions. You have to compromise. You don't always get what you want, as the song goes. <laughs> um, and you have to realize that. But then, if you lose on an issue, you've got to get over that. Just like I was talking about the Border Patrol, if you don't mm-hmm. get selected, you've got to get over it. If you lose on an issue, you've got to get over it and you've got to move on. Because you and I have other things to do for the people of the county or the town or the school board so i can't hate you and never work for you again because as again as i was saying good policy is good policy well if you have a good a good policy why would i not help you pass that even though you and i had disagreed Mm -hmm. on other policy this is good for the folks i'll work with you to get it done so all the boards are similar in that sense the the ones that work well i find are that i think the biggest difference is the president of the school board, um, you, you have a superintendent to run the schools. So the president, the school board, the president of the school board oversees the school through policy. They don't micromanage. They set the budgets. They set it through policy. They allow the superintendent of the school to run the day-to-day operations of the school and bring issues to the board. The town board is a little bit different and the town supervisor is a little bit different in that role in the sense that we obviously run the town the town boards run the towns through policy through setting a tax rate and doing those kind of things and working together but the town supervisor has more hands-on things that he can do as far as telling folks what to do and where we're going to go you don't have a superintendent to run the Super, town for supervisor you. Supervisor can vote too, right? <coughs> oh, yes, no. absolutely. I was going to say, oh, the su- yes. superintendent does not. Uh, that's right. Yeah. The superintendent has no vote on the school board. So there's some some small differences there, but differences nonetheless. 
And then obviously going from, I mean, the school, even though it's a smaller entity, it's, I mean, for a town, it's a big deal because obviously there's a lot that get, especially at Chazy, where, I mean, being from there, I know a lot was generated, a lot of community stuff was generated through the school. So, I mean, there definitely was a lot of, uh, there, there's a lot of parallels between the two, but yes. I think um, obviously the town, and we'll get into your current position, but the town itself obviously expands out to more people because it does cover, a, you know, well, actually the town covers, covered West Shazy and Altona, right? That, so, that's exactly right. Yeah. Is in Ingraham and, yeah. and Shazy Landing. So the town is, is larger than that and uh, larger than the school district. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you, you are right in what you started to say. Probably in many communities, but I'll stick with Shazy because I know it's Shazy School. I know that one the best. Um, Shazy School is the heartbeat of that community. I mean, without a doubt, the a lot revolves around that school, and it's not just because the kids are there, because so many other activities happen there as well. So uh, the school has tremendous support from the people uh, in the district and within the town itself. Uh, the school is 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 very very important uh, to the community, and the community is very proud of the Shazy School, and I think that shows in the support that it has received over many many years through some tough times, as mm-hmm. you'll remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that people always talk about mergers and shutting down, especially smaller schools. Yes. We've seen it in a little more south of here than than um, in Clinton County. But the idea that would it ever merge, I mean, I you never can say that it won't, but your hope is that it doesn't. But I think Shazy is different in the sense that it has a lot of alumni support, a lot of community support. It does. No matter what, I think people would just to keep it open would make sacrifices to make sure that it's open because of the culture and stuff that's been established there. Um, I mean, I hope it's, unfortunately I, I, that's the one thing I, I love my house. The only thing is just not in Jay-Z district. I wish I would just yeah. pick it up and drop it. But, yeah, yeah. um, but other than that, I mean, a lot of, I know people that don't live in the district, so are very involved or very, you know, we have an idea or pulse on what the school's still doing, even though it's been a decade or plenty more for some people have been three, four, five decades. They've been out. They still are coming back or, following the school, which is very unique, I think, for someone to follow a high school or even elementary school. You don't see that all the time. Most people just kind of cut ties when they leave and then yes. have more affiliation with their their uh, college or their adopted hometown. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So you see, that. I see uh, uh, folks come back. I see folks that stay involved uh, that have graduated a long time. I didn't graduate from Shazy School either. I graduated, as I said, from over in Alexandria Bay, ACS, but it was a small school. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little larger than Shazy, but not much. Um, so we went from the town supervisor. So then the town supervisor led you to uh, Area 3. Yes. To, to run in Area 3. And that was, what, 17? That would have been uh, three years ago. Oh, this is not, yes. 17? Yep. So you ended up getting interest in that position. Now, did, did you have... Was that something that you planned on? Did it kind of just fall in your lap, or was it something that you wanted to potentially run for in the future? Both. Okay. They say, what is it they say, that, that good luck comes to those that are prepared? Yes. Well, as I told you, uh, when I was much younger, I always wanted to be in the county legislature, not the state legislature either. And I know some kids, you know, they want to be president of the United States. That never occurred to me. Yeah. I thought county legislature was where I would like to be for the reasons I said. So uh, when I was with the town, uh, now, and I was retired now, so I could now look ahead, as it were, uh, for where what I might want to do next. 
And I, to be honest, I had my eye on the county legislature um, and made what I thought were the things, did the things that I thought I needed to do to show that, that I, if, if the opportunity ever arose, that I should be one of the folks considered uh, for that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, this is where the lucky part comes in for me, um, Sam Dyer uh, decided that he wanted to run for Beekman Town Town Supervisor. And so Mr. Dyer, Legislator Dyer at that mm-hmm. time from Area 3, would have to, if elected, would have to resign his seat um, to take over as um, Super- town supervisor, yeah. town supervisor, Beekman Town Town Supervisor. So he uh, he ran, and he was elected by one vote. Remember that? Oh, he I got do. elected I do. by yep. one vote. Yep. Uh, and it held up after some challenges, but it held up, and Mr. Dyer then became. Uh, town supervisor, or it was going to be in January. Well, of course, to do that, he would have to resign his seat So on the legislature. So we made a couple trips to the legislature, encouraging the Clinton County legislature not to appoint somebody, but to hold an election. Mm-hmm. Uh, that took a couple, three meetings. And uh, Anyways, the legislature um, um, was good enough to decide that, yes, we will have a special election for Mr. Dyer's seat. And so they announced the, uh, the election, and I ran and uh, uh, won. And therefore, I filled that seat in a special election mm-hmm. for 18 months. That was like, it was like March or something, Yeah, right? that's weird, right. Weird You're out in the snowbanks. Yeah. I, I, was, I was campaigning. I, I still have pictures, literally in a blizzard. I was knocking on people's doors. And it, there, you couldn't even they, hardly get in their they driveway. Couldn't, they couldn't even see you when they opened the no, door, right? And they were, you know... <laughs> I, they, I, I think it accomplished two things. Now, to be honest, I didn't get to that many folks because it was really hard. But the ones I did get, get to must have had one of two thoughts. Either that this person's crazy and I'd never vote for him, or he really wants this. This may be the guy I, <laughs> I want to vote for. And I'm not sure, but I came out, I came out on, a close, on the close end of it and won. So, um, yeah, it was back then. And so that was to fill the remainder of Sam's seat, Mr. Dyer's seat. And that was about 18 months. So the 18 months went by, and now you're going to have a regular election for four years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we just recently completed that back in November. And again, uh, I I won that. And uh, now I have four years uh, left in this term. So, and then you got appointed to the chair. Well, you don't get appointed. No, you get elected. You you do get elected. So that's another election uh, within the legislature. Mm -hmm. So uh, the chair came open mr mcmanus who was a terrific chair did a great job uh, we have term limits in this county and uh, uh so mr mcmanus was chairman mcmanus was um term limited out he'd done his 12 years so he had to leave for, that, for, that's for the legislator itself yes okay yes so he he uh, termed out so he had to leave that means he had to obviously leave the chair as well mm-hmm. so that left the chair uh opening vacant uh so i uh uh made my case for that and fortunately uh the legislators agreed and uh i was elected unanimously uh to be the chair of the clinton county legislature effective january 1. so uh, now w- with the county legislators like the actual chair you obviously run the meetings yes but you're still i mean you still are active as 
the rest of the, the members in the sense that you're still on committees, you're still heading and chairing committees, and you That's probably right. have a few more outside special appearance yes. things that you, yep. I'm sure you're learning just about. like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but I, I know um, uh, Mr. Harry was, uh, you know, I saw him at a lot of events, and he was yes. obviously, yes. you know, you you very often you'd see him at ribbon cuttings, ribbon cuttings or parades or special appearances, yes. and yes. and. Uh, so I'm sure he again put a little bit extra time on the side than you know the normal. You do, yeah. So um, now, as being chair of the county legislator and being on the county legislator, like what's your favorite part right now? Because again, this is kind of fulfilled like a almost like a lifelong prophecy for you right. to get back or get onto that um, position. Like, what's your favorite thing about the about the role? The favorite, my favorite thing about the role of being a legislator mm-hmm. is that. As I start, as I said earlier, I can help more people at this level than I could even on the school board or even as town supervisor. So you get a lot of constituent services, people calling up that that need something or maybe have been overlooked or just don't understand where to go and how to get there. Um, I, I enjoy um, helping people um, get things uh, that they need and, and teach them how to not teach them, but show them how to get there or contact people on their behalf mm-hmm. uh, and try to get things uh, for them that they need. And by people, I don't just mean individuals either. I mean the towns. You can help, you know, you can help the town boards. You can help organizations, the Lions Club or others uh, sometimes, help them with things, issues they may have. You can help with legislation, overall legislation for a county um, for for things that might help folks, whether it's it's uh, with, with uh, you know, trying to keep Medicaid uh, going and, and arguing with folks in Albany or uh, whether it's environmental issues and you're on the Soil and Water Committee or you're on Children and Family Services Committee to help foster children or, or maybe you're on public safety where you can, you can make a life or a difference in the lives of, of volunteer firemen or, or EMTs um, in the, nine, the 9-11 issues. Uh, you have, again, in public safety, uh, maybe you can uh, assist the sheriff's department getting equipment they need to help protect the people or the district attorney to help them get the tools and the things that they need uh, through the public safety committee. So you have many committees that you can sit on, economic development to help uh, help the county grow economically and, and develop those ties with our Canadian partners or the federal government or the state government or, or individuals such as yourself, business folks, um, to work together uh, maybe it's only as a role to bring these folks together sometimes in a common forum. So you have all of these levers uh, that you can pull uh, to help uh, the entire county or a town or an individual. Yeah, I, I, I mean, one, one of the biggest eye-opening things as I've gotten older, when you're a kid, like you're a kid, you know, you're naive, you don't know a lot of stuff, and you're kind of you know, you're only concerned about like your day to day was your day to day gets bigger and bigger. And my, you know, now you're, you're a full on adult with more decisions and more things that affect you. I've of course become more in tune with stuff in the area. Um, and, and just, just naturally as you get older, but like you said, a lot of things you just mentioned. And when we went earlier this year, I went to like a, I don't know what they call it like a round table thing, but now uh, Billy Jones was the one that hosted it at the town of Plattsburgh. And there was a bunch of different people from different areas and just different sectors of the county from agriculture to business to school um, to health and it was kind of cool to see everything that they were talking about because again I'm I'm not as concerned with 
agriculture or healthcare, even though I'm in like, you know, real estate only branches so far. But when you're talking about, you know, a farmer talking about the prices of milk and shipping costs and everything like that, and then you're talking again, I mean, we use a lot of cell service, but you're talking about people that are, you know, traveling just for work and or making calls and they, you know, they need service down in kind of a, or a very rural area mm-hmm. where they don't have it. So you're looking at all these issues that aren't even on my radar. So it's kind of cool to see these when people actually say it and say, like, oh, wow, all that stuff's going on here that I wasn't even aware of. And then you kind of have a little more empathy for certain groups of people that or, you know, why things connect. Because a lot of it's um, intertwined. Yes, it there's, is. There's Absolutely. Reason, like why, you know, if, if the agriculture's down, there, that has an impact on, you know, may, may, maybe not or maybe, but obviously the, the economic and then maybe the health concerns or housing or so it was kind of neat to see a lot of, and again, I'm not super well versed in a lot of like the details, but it was cool to see the different walks of life come out and saying, this is like, here's our pain points in this industry and this industry and what's doing well here and not well and what we want to change. And I think the, a lot of, one thing I'm positive about going forward in our areas, I think there's just a lot of really good people in like really good spots right now in regards to leadership and running, whether it be like at the town or even, you know, the chamber or on the county. And it's, it's exciting because you see all these people that are, I have a lot of respect for and I think are doing a great job, but when they're all kind of rowing in the same direction, that's why I think we're going to have a big boom here over the next, hopefully five, 10, 20 years. That's going to be, I think a huge turning point for Clinton County. I just, I can kind of like, you can see like the little pieces slowly, like the puzzle starting to connect. The green shoots are starting to show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the work that's been done, especially since the base closing, you know, we're 25 years removed Mm -hmm. from that now, but I think Mm -hmm. a lot of things are starting to pick up. Like yesterday, I just drove back where, um, Norsk is doing, did the whole build, the the huge building just built. And then right behind it, there's like a medical Kind of uh, yeah, Monahan, back yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So like, you start seeing these buildings kind of popping up that people don't even know about. Until right. So you kind of go down these right. back roads, and right. it's like there's a lot of growth going right. on here that you, right. you won't see because it's not you know right in the middle of Plattsburgh, but it's all these back roads that. Right. And if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. But you then, won't see it. They're kind of hidden away back there, especially on uh, the former base, as we call it, the former yeah. uh, airport. Uh, you're right, and when it was it was interesting when you used it to me that you used the term pop up. Mm-hmm. Because when you said that, I was thinking they don't just pop up. Oh yeah, there's a lot of effort that goes, uh, especially uh, by the business folks that are doing that. The owner, or the comp- corporation that's doing that, obviously puts in money and effort and everything else to do that. But it takes a long time to do that. And generally, the chamber of commerce is involved, and the county's involved, and maybe uh, uh, the uh, development corporation might be involved, or there's uh, IAD might be involved. So. It's uh, it's a lot of effort by a lot of people sometimes, mm-hmm. especially on these larger facilities, uh, to have them just pop up. Yeah, because it's it's well, a lot of it's years because you hear like rumblings, you hear a little bit news breaks here and there, but then when you start actually seeing like the physicalness like rise up, and then it's kind of for the average folk around here, you kind of see that, and that's your validation that things are happening. Even though I've talked to like certain people, and they're like, "No, oh, there's like we're in the works for this and this and this," yeah. and it's kind of neat when especially when we went to that, that breakfast the other day and, you know, like Mike's pulling out that whole graph of spots that they're looking at developing in the yes. area. And, and I've talked to him and he goes, there's hundreds of acres that are just out there that are, he goes, that are like prime for a lot of growth. And he goes, they're working with people to fill it. And yeah. that's the exciting part is because you, you kind of look at Plattsburgh now and, and Plattsburgh's taken a big like change in the last three, or not three, yeah, I'd say three to five years. There's been a lot of like things that have popped up, whether it be, 
hotels, restaurants, businesses, um, but you start seeing them kind of branch off and you can kind of point, you kind of see like that's going to look way different in 10 years. Like that whole area is going to yes. be completely different. And yes. I think when you have the growth, because again, these businesses, they do their homework before they come here. It's not all oh, they absolutely like, they don't, they don't, like you just said, they don't just pop up. No. So there's a lot of uh, market research and a lot of demographics and how many people right, go go through that light each day and, and you know, what, what's traffic counts and all the stuff that yeah. goes through it. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They know so what they're doing. That's, that's what gives me, I mean, I don't know, I'm not on the forefront of that stuff, but when I see that, I kind of know how it works a little bit, but enough to know that there's investment happening in the area, which is cool. Um, like down here, this is one of my favorite sections of the county, just because I think it's, I mean, it's one of the, if not the best or one of them, prime real estate in the area that I can't wait to see. Again, I think in time, you know, it will happen that you'll see, this will be, water, our waterfront will be completely different over time. And I think... I look forward to that day. I, I think you're right. I, I tend to agree with you. I think they're taking baby steps to get mm -hmm. that done. Yep. And, you know, there's growing pains. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we have that with, with every development that you do. But uh, if you look back on the development, say, that's been done, I think I sometimes find it interesting. Um, if you look at something that's been here for a little while and you think about, say, it's been here 10 years, and you think about 10 years ago when they wanted whatever it is here, uh, there was some growing pains and mm -hmm. some folks were against it and some were for it. And, and now that it's here though, it seems it's part of the community. Yeah, it's, it's all okay. right. It's, it's all right. right. Yeah, no, it's all right. So I think that happens a lot over, to, you know, with every development and, but you, you can't just go and throw things up wherever it is you want to throw them up either. You have yeah. to have some kind of planned, uh, growth. Yeah. 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 You're not just throwing a dart at a, at a map. Yeah, exactly. Um, so no, so that's obviously good. And I think, I mean, have have you you know? I mean, you don't have, you don't have to say it if you don't want. But I mean, have you looked at? at obviously, you have a twelve year term. Does that special yes. election count towards the twelve year term? No. Okay. No. So, so really, you're year one. This is this is year one. Actually, I'm in month two. So, month two. Yeah. Month two. Yeah, yeah. So theoretically, yeah, theoretically, I could do twelve years. So, um, so so it, the twelve years is. I mean, do you think that that's going to kind of be the end of anything with politics for you? Do you think at the end of twelve years you might? No, I think as far as is like being in office, but I can't imagine me not being involved in politics on some level if it was only to help a, a, a younger person or a less experienced person in their campaign mm -hmm. or or maybe be on a board if somebody asked me to be on a board of something to mm -hmm. help uh, do that. Um, I, I know a lot of people tend to think that politics is a dirty word, and I've never... I've never looked at it that way. That's the way this country gets things done through politics yeah. and compromise. Do, well, and and um, where are we going with that? Oh, yeah, because I, I don't, I don't think, like you said before, you're not very good at retiring, right? No, it's just, I'm kind of one where it's like yeah. I, I, I've never known you to sit still, and I, I think that's like I think my dad's the same way. I, I think yep. I'm wired the same way where I just can't. I don't think I'll ever retire. I'll just be working on the next project. I, it's <laughs> I can see that in you. Yes. Yeah. So, I took a 10-day vacation. Uh, was it two years ago? Two years ago, I took a 10-day vacation to Florida. And on the third day, I was standing on the beach. And it was early in the morning. And there were the, the parasail boats yeah, that yep. were out there. And there was this guy standing there. He was just standing there like I was watching the sun come up or whatever. And uh, we got talking. And uh, he goes, uh, what are you doing? I said, well... Not much of anything. He says, you know anything about boats? I go, well, yeah, actually I do. I know quite a bit about boats. He goes, you want a job? He says, I need somebody to drive that boat. He says, I'll take you out and show you how to do it. And 
you can have a job. And I almost <laughs> said yes for the seven days I was a seven-day parasailing. Yeah, uh, I was going to be a parasailing boat operator. boat operator, but I didn't. The uh, yeah, so I, I just I just find it funny, like as like you you just keep kind of re revamping whatever role you're in or growing in whatever role you're in. So I don't I, I think that's just I like that in like we're going on vacation on Thursday, and I'm like looking forward to going and hanging with the family. Sure. But I'll tell you, by probably day two or three, I'm going. I'm going to be stir crazy. So I'm bringing plenty of work to work on, just because I can't. Right. Like, I my brain's got to be moving. I got to be doing right. stuff. Like, just to go right. sit, like sit sit by the pool or on a beach. I'm just, like, I just can't. I like, know. I can do it maybe for like an hour, and then I'm getting kind of like fidgety. Well, so. that's kind of me. I think I'm. It's almost like, what am I missing? What I, I should. I should be doing something. What am I missing here? Yeah, as I say, when I sit like I sit down too long, it just it, it seems weird. Like I, I I'm not comfortable with just staying still um i think my wife would tell you i could do more around the house though that's you're a busy guy though so i <laughs> i don't think she's buying into that but yeah um th- so a couple of things i wanted to bring up sure you're i've known this since like, being a kid but you're a big reader right you yes. still read a lot i do read a lot because i i always remember you like whether it's you're sitting in your chair or next to your chair you always have like typically you know autobiographical books or yep. history books or yep. things like that yep. what, what do you like reading what 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 are you currently reading how much do you read oh wow um i read a lot i have some books that i read just kind of for entertainment you know just a, a summer beach read or whatever you don't when you get done with it you almost can't remember what it is you read although it was interesting and it was fun um I, I read a lot of what you just said. A lot of his autobiographical. I, uh, um, I'm big on Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've read about, I've, I've got it, uh, four books that I've got at the house right now on Winston Churchill. Um, so I read a lot about Winston Churchill. I've read a lot about the various presidents. Um, I read a lot that has to do with politics, uh, history. I'm big on history. Um, I think my daughter, Kristen, got that from me. She's a social studies yep. history teacher. Um, I'm, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many books I have. I, I'll bet I have, I mean, on this one subject, 30 books on 1700s and 1800 English Navy sailing ships with the battles they had during the Napoleonic Wars and how that was and the cannon and the ships they used and uh, how hard it was on the, on the sailors that were out there during that time. And some of them are series, you know, like like Hornblower yep. or others uh, that are just as good or maybe even better. Uh, the Master and Commander uh, yep. series. And there's stuff out there with Alric Bond, who's a writer uh, that, that writes some terrific stuff on that. Um, and just pretty, I, I, I read a bunch of papers. Uh, Michael reads yeah. a bunch of papers, yeah. as you yep. know. Yep. Uh, we get like five papers a day. So I'll try to find time to read as much of that as I can. So yes, I read a lot. The, the uh, So most of the books... A mixture of fiction, nonfiction. Like you said, some of those Navy books, those are more fictional. Yeah, those are all fictional. I yep. mean, they're based on like real things. Yeah, there's, in, there's a lot in of history ships, in it. I mean, when you read about the ships, they're real. You know, the sail they have yep. and how they're made and all that. But the incidents themselves are mostly fiction Yep. Uh, based on historical things. Yep. Um, uh, and then uh, obviously the biographical, those are all yeah, nonfiction. Yeah, the, the, the biographical ones I read, sure. I, I always end up, I, I try to read every day. Realistically, it probably ends up being like, two to three days a week by the time I can like fit yeah. in like a good 20 minutes to just yeah. read but that's one of my favorite things to do so again going down to Florida I'm going to probably bring probably three books with me yeah knowing that I'm probably going to get through one or two of them right. um but I just like like I said I, I have a bunch of books over there and I have a bunch of books at my parents house still that it uh, for like a history book I have a Ben Franklin one and 
a Leonardo da Vinci one. Yeah. But I also I have a couple other ones. I think not there, but I have like audio audio books. Um, okay. So I, I listen to stuff in the car too. So I just got down done a couple more like business books, but sure. Um, like I've listened to uh, Shoe Dog, which is a bio or autobiography of Phil Knight. Okay. Which is the founder of Nike. Yeah. Um, yep. I have one for Elon Musk. So it's kind of one where I like I like. I like a lot of uh, business and technology people too, but it's right. more of it's more like I like successful people. So like for me, I always try to dive into whether it be presidents or whether it be like you said stuff from history. But you can learn a lot from like to me people that like in positions that you kind of want to f- get to or emulate. Right. So you know, there's a lot of I'm trying to even just like look over there real quick, but there's a bunch of books over there that I just read that that's typically I read a lot more nonfiction than I do fiction. Yeah, even though I should do. Part of me is I, I try to fit fiction in just as kind of like that escapism, but right. I always find if I'm reading a book, I want to really learn from it. So I'm trying to, it's more well, of... Well, if you only have as little time, you know, you're right. You yeah. got to pick and choose and, and, and you do that. I think one of the things you can learn from books like that, uh, historical books, um, autobiographical books, especially when you get much older, mm-hmm. is I think the term goes that there's nothing new in the world. Well, obviously there are things new in the world, but situations are pretty much... So the a lot, same. A lot of repeat pattern repeats. And, and you go back and you see where folks went through tough times and, and why they stuck to their guns and what they did and what the results of that were, or where they compromised and why they compromised in certain situations. And you can, you can learn from those things because you may face situations similar to that. I think it helps you build a knowledge base to help you make decisions and maybe give you the confidence uh, to stand by a decision that you made. Well, I think a lot of it's probably more macro related than micro, meaning you kind of like on the larger scale, when you take away not just the specific details, but how can you break it down to, like you said, the kind of a bigger macro level that could have. That's why I always look at like a lot of books aren't necessarily real, real estate books, but they could be a book on like, like, like a Ben Franklin or I, got, I have one over there about the guy that climbed the, uh, the, uh, the wall and you, uh, was it Yosemite National Park, like the the glacier, whatever? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like taking these people that have done really cool things or unique things or high high level achievers and kind of reading and seeing like how their mindset would relate to something that I'm thinking about, or um, and then how can I bring it to make something better or from right. different industries bring stuff in? Because right. so, I right. I talk a lot with um, even people locally in the area, like having like one on ones with people that have nothing to do with real estate. They could be business, it could be politics, it could be something where their ideas like it allows me to kind of get a broader base or broader knowledge. Sure. And then I can take what I can from that and build on what I already know. Right. So a lot of it's it's kind of uh I like I heard this thing the other day, it's called R and D, like research and development, yep. but he called it ripped off rip off and duplicate. Oh, so okay. I like to kinda of like pick people's brains and just right. make make my learning curve much simpler because I just follow Absolutely. what they Why found. reinvent a wheel, exactly. they say, right? I, I hate I hate doing that. So um now the other thing I wanted to talk about, because th- this this is where I had the best mem- remember or memory of you, and obviously Mike and my dad and stuff was all the trips that we took, going, you know, the football games and to everything, yeah, football, yeah. golf, yeah. baseball, whatever you could think right. of. So out of out of most of those, because again, we we were young at the time. Uh, I mean, we took some stuff up probably to we probably stopped right around college time. We did a lot more like when we were I younger. Would, yeah. We kind of got yeah. fizzed out just because of work and patterns and everything else we were doing in life. But, um, what was some of your most memorable trips when, when, that we went on? I'm kind of curious to see your perspective. Like, what did you, would you really like? Would you not like? Cause again, me, me and Mike are pretty much, we loved everything. Cause yeah. we, we were yeah. young. You know? Well, I, 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 I did too. Um, 
I, I like the, the ones that are most memorable to me is I think probably the ones where you two maybe had the most fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not have had the most fun. Yeah. Um, but although I did, I had a lot of fun on those trips. Uh, but you two had the most fun. And I remember uh, when we went down to Giant Stadium and Jeremy Shockey was playing there yep. and you guys had identical jerseys. We did that. Yep. We went up. Was it the President's Cup when we went up? And Canada, and, we, and Tiger Woods was yeah. there. We got really close to Tiger yep. Woods. In yep. fact, yeah. Uh, so that was good. You guys were pretty impressed with that. You liked yeah. that a lot. Um, and then we went to the, uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, was that at Oak Hill when we went off Rochester? Or was that the that PGA? was P- that, PGA, I think. PGA. But that, was, that was one of my – yeah. because we had all the players yeah. in the hotel. that's exactly right. So and was, you got to meet uh, Weir, both yeah, of Mike, you. Yeah, and he had Mike just Weir. won the Masters. And he spent – I don't know if you remember this because you were young, but he spent a lot of time with you two. Did he? He did. He went – I don't even know if you remember probably all of it, but you remember we came in from the course and – we came walking through the lobby and he was there mm-hmm. and you guys went up and asked for an autograph. You had those 18, the, yeah. the pennants. Yep. And he said, not right now. I've got to go change. I've got to make some phone calls and then I'm going to go for a run. Now this is a guy who just finished playing golf and now he's going to head out for a run. You can see why he was as good as he was. Um, so he went up the stairs and Joey and I, your dad and I, we looked at each other and went, we're never going to see this guy again. Um, but he told you, be back here in an hour, right in this lobby. So we went in and we got something to eat or whatever. Uh, about an hour later, we came back and sure enough, he showed up and he talked to you guys for quite a while, signed all your stuff and taught either you or Michael how to improve putting. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a good putter. Yeah. I, yeah. He was. Um, yeah. I, I, my memory, I, I do remember meeting him. I remember meeting, um, uh, Ian Poulter. Yep. And this was when Ian Poulter was. I think like just starting out, he was, yes, he was maybe a couple, three years on tour. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, for some reason I remember him, he was going to give us tickets to the event or something. I remember he offered us tickets if we didn't have them to go. And we, we had already had tickets yeah, for the week. Right. But I remember him being kind of this young guy at the time. And he was like, he liked us. And I remember, yeah. and he was like, Hey, I got some tickets for you guys. If you want, I got some extras, if you want to go to the, uh, to the course. And then there was another one. I remember, I think he, I, I think he was like one of the PGA pros that, that qualify, but I remember it was him and his wife and they showed us like their car. They got like a comp car oh, yeah. for the week. Yeah. 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 And I w- was like an Escalade or yeah, something. And yeah. they were like, this is really cool too, yeah. because they weren't PGA players. He was just, I mean, he was a very good golfer. Right. Um, I remember him walking us out and letting us like look in the car and look at all the buttons and stuff. And of yeah. course me and Mike were probably like 12, 13 years uh, yeah, old. Right. And like, we're just like, yeah. holy crap, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was one of the most memorable. We had, a, I mean, um, there was a couple others that I remember, I mean, obviously the baseball and stuff, but I think, um, the football games, I think were one of the best because they were, they were quicker yes. like down and back down and you, back. Yep. You could watch the games. Um, golf was, I always had a blast at the golf ones, but I think that was my favorite. Oh, three. And then pretty much any of the ones. And I just remember being kids with, uh, you know, doing the, you know, tailgating, throwing the, right, throwing the, right. throwing the football around yeah. in the parking yeah. lot and just running around making these like little imaginary cuts and runs and one V ones. Cause the amount of times I think me and Mike guarded each other in one v one football was well. We used to play time. that. We'd go over to uh, to the school, and we play we play football. Was it every Saturday almost? That be, and street hockey. It'd be well. We played street hockey at the school bus at garage. the bus garage. Yep. But your your dad and you would verse Michael and I in football one on one. You two be out there. Yep. And we would be the quarterbacks mm-hmm. and you guys would run out your patterns 
and do that. And then you kick, kick field goals. We turn around the soccer net. We use a soccer net. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 yeah we just do that all the time. Yeah. Th- those are fun. And then we ended up, yeah. th- then it we about had, killed me. I was, well, I, see, that's I couldn't what, move when I was done. We after. always, we always thought you were like a, like, like a young Bart star out there running around, you know, just, I, yeah, the, I, the, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Bart star now. We, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually they, uh, the other day they had the, for the Super Bowl, they had all the, like a bunch of these quarterbacks that came back, for, right? For uh, so they all there was a bunch of guys out there. So it was like Tom Brady was still out there, but it was like Dan Marino and but he was um, my favorite quarterback, Dan Marino. I, I didn't necessarily like the Dolphins, although yeah. I didn't hate them; they were fine. You yeah, know? but I always liked Dan Marino because he was he never won the Super Bowl though. He was always never like, did. He was such a good quarterback. Never, and, he was terrific. But he he was a little bit before. I don't remember him as much. I think. He, he was, was way before like, your time. Yeah. Yeah. He probably played into the 90s, kind yep. of. But, uh, yeah, the 80s. They, they had a picture of all these quarterbacks standing there, and Brett Favre was there. And Brett yeah. Favre looked like he just came out of like the bar. I mean, he yeah. had like ratty jeans on, yep. like a t shirt, and he had the jacket, and all these other guys are in suits and stuff. I'm like, that just that epitomizes Brett Favre from the. Uh, That's the way he was. Yeah. He just, to this day, I, I still think he's just kind of like a cowboy, kind of could throw a football like crazy, but it was just kind of funny seeing the difference in, um, you know, I guess dress code and where they came what from. What is? Yeah. Well, I see. He, he was. You know they always tell you to be yourself, so I guess he's being himself. The uh, and then um, the Giants, like I said, we've had a few rough years, but it's they're you know, killing me. When, they're killing me. Were you a Giants fan from being a? Kid? I've been a Giants fan, believe it or not, since 1958. I with uh, oh Jim Cat Cabbage and Y A Tittle and uh, oh who else they had Brown was it was it Rosie Greer Roosevelt Brown. Um, all those old guys. Nineteen. I met a couple of them in Alexandria Bay when I was so. So I would have been what ten years old. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So I've been a, I've been a New York Giants fan since nineteen fifty eight. Because I, I well, I forgot what year they won. Did they win? They won against the Bills in like nineteen ninety or ninety one. They won like the Bills that. wide right with uh, when what's his name missed a field goal. Yeah, that um, one right. Purcell was out there. The uh, so the that big tuna. That was when I was a, like I, I have no memory of that. I was just a baby, but. Um, so I, my my dad was a Giants fan, so I just became a Giants fan by default growing up. But since yep. I was a little kid, so now I still root for them. But guys, it's been a rough couple of years. But everything goes in ebbs and flows. So we had right, a couple well, good years. It. So I'm I'm hoping, yeah. you know, two three years from now they're back in kind of the playoff hunt because it makes football much more interesting. The last uh, few years, I uh, they got to get a line. They I, need a line. Yeah, and I, well, that's that's the thing. Like everybody always rags on quarterbacks or whatever. I'm like, if you don't have a line, you don't you're, you don't have a foundation. It's like, hard to throw from your back. That's yeah, or run, running sideways. Or running like, sideways. Flip, that's right. like that unless yeah. you're like Patrick Mahomes. Well, but, then yeah. How many but, of them but are he's young. There. Wait till he gets yeah. hit a few more times. So um all right. Well is is there anything else you want to touch on? Anything that you guys are wor- No, wor- I'd like to tell you how proud I am of all of you, all the kids that grew up. I get to see all of you yeah. once in a while. Uh you've done a great job. And obviously that. Michael, I'm very proud of him and yeah, and all the other ones that were in your class that I see around from time to time. Kyle was over uh, the other day. I got to see Kyle. Yeah. So um, you guys have done a good job. Yeah. I'm it's, very proud of all of you. It's a fun, it's a fun group. I, I, a lot of people, like some people don't, don't, and we don't see each other. I mean, obviously as much as we used to as kids, but we're still connected to the point where we see each other. Nothing's changed. So that's, right. that's one of my favorite things is that for all of our schedules to align in a year, it typically like Super Bowl is one that we always, that's always blocked off. Yeah. And we have a few others throughout the year that, like we might get an impromptu night where we get some, you know, again, pizza and wings and kind of hang right. out with, with all the guys. But we did that, I think once, once or twice last year. And then every once in a while in the summer, we might hit one golf event where we just kind of, you know, now it gets tough with family and work and stuff, but we try to always best we can have a couple times a year where we can just kind of get together. And it's like just a, like a, just a guy's night where it's just the same, same crew right. that we had doing the same thing we did 15, 20 years ago and saying the same jokes, making fun of each other, but it's right. Fun. It's, it's fun. Like, so. like you never miss a beat. 
Oh, we've, we've never missed a beat. And we're still, the jokes that we still, it's, it's stuff that's been 50, probably at this point, 15 years ago, we're still making fun of each other about the yeah, same thing. Same like, thing. It's been 15 years, but it's like, ah, we, we won't forget. <laughs> you You're know, still, you, know. you can't, yeah, you can't hide that. You can't hide know. certain things. That, so. That's the history of the thing. Yeah. That makes, that makes part of it though. That, that's the fun part about it. So, all right. We'll, we'll end there. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, I'm glad to do it. I, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. This, uh, like I said, you're in actually, well, actually a question I, I meant to ask you earlier. The, the, you, you have four years now or about three years. So you have to do it again. But the, the actual time consuming nature of running for even, uh, even the position you're in where it's not at the national level, but there's a lot that's involved in that. Cause there, I remember you talking to me, God, almost a year prior like yes. Set, like so. I mean, there's so actually. Before we end, kind of give us a little bit of insight into start to finish. Like, what typically what's an election year look like for you? At least leading up to 2019. Like, the, okay. Like, when did you start prepping for it? Um, when did you know you wanted to still? I mean, sure. you, you obviously dabbled in the legislature. Did you after you got into it? Was there ever a point where you're like, I don't want to run, or I do want to run? And then kind of leading up to like the whole experience of until election night and maybe even sure, a few weeks beyond. Sure. Um, I'll try to keep it brief, but it is, it's very involved. Uh, it can also be very expensive. So that's one thing I would, people need to know as well. Uh, it'll cost you money, you money. You can get some folks to donate money to you. You can get some money, but you won't get a lot. So you better be prepared to open up your wallet if you want to run. Um, but let's say this was an election year that I was going to have to run this no, or get a, the election was this November. So I would have had my initial conversation, say, with, the, with whatever party, the Democratic Party, the Independence Party, the Republican Party, whatever party you're in, that you're interested in running, say, in November of last year. I just started a year out, November, December. If you know somebody's coming to an end, there's going to be an office you want to run for. You want to start maybe a year ahead of time. Then once you decide that, <laughs> you've got to go through, you've got to get nominated by the party. So you got to go through that. You got to go through the nomination process. Say that happens in January, say, where you now are the nominee mm -hmm. of your party. But then what you have to put together is kind of a grassroots thing. You want You've got to get signs. You want to decide how your ads are going to run, uh, whether they're going to be in the newspaper, TV, or on radio. Mm -hmm. um, you want to do that. Um, you'll need your Facebook pages now and your websites and all the technology that goes that needs to be developed and put out there. And you have to stay on those. You have to put things in those, maybe not every day, but you certainly have to be on there frequently. You just can't do it once in a while. You've got to get your materials that you're going to hand out. As I said, you've got to get your lawn signs. Those, are, those can be fairly important. You've got to get whatever material, your mail-outs. You're going to have uh, two or three mail-outs. Now, these are in larger campaigns. Mm -hmm. if, you know, maybe for, if you're running for the, the board uh, of a smaller town, then maybe you don't have to do all of these things, but you have to do some of these things. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they'll be much cheaper for you. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to maybe have a, a phone bank where you're going to call folks uh, just before then. So you're going to spend... Um, from now, say February into May, June, preparing all those things we just talked about, your budget, your, your, your advertising plan, um, your handouts, uh, what parades and things you're going to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're, you're strategizing and ordering things, uh, from now till May or June, then about June, say 
you're out running now. I mean, you're running all the time. Mm -hmm. But now in June, you're, you're really running. You're knocking on doors. You're going to all the events. You have to be seen. You have to be heard. You've got to cut through the noise. And that can be hard to do. That can be challenging. Uh, social media can help you with that uh, if you can build a following and get that up. So then you just work hard all summer long uh, doing what you need to do. And then uh, come November, hopefully the, the, you've got the folks out and uh, they're going to support you and, and it'll go your way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to see, like, again, on the local level. I, I, when you're a kid, you see it and, like, it, you don't see much besides just, you know, see the stuff out. And um, you'll see the signs on the road and then you'll see, like, election night, you know, WPTZs running, you know, the polls and stuff. So you always kind of look at that. But there's, again, knowing the people that are involved, the people that are helping, people that are donating time or volunteering, there's a lot that's involved in, you know, what everything in, involved in that so um and the last thing is for your role right now as a county legislator like how many days a week does that entail i mean pr every day you're probably doing something but like yes. when it comes to like events or meetings or you know obviously you have different committees mm -hmm. i mean is this is this pretty much a five six day a week gig for for the for the chair i'll speak as is the mm -hmm. chairman um and and i'm still a legislator as well so i still have to do all the things that a legislator mm -hmm. would do and then you have to do the additional things that you talked on about uh, being a chairman. Um, so, yeah, I'm involved uh, in my job as chairman of the legislature every day of the week. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't necessarily spend eight hours a day every day of the week doing that. Mm -hmm. But I will spend eight hours some days and I will spend two hours the other day. But, yes, every day, every yeah. day. And I, I get calls on weekends. I'm not complaining. I mean... You don't have to run. Nobody, nobody yep. makes you run. Yep. Um, so when folks are off in the evenings, you know, they're working all day long. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe they call you in the evenings or they'll run into you or, or they'll call you on the weekend on a Saturday and say, hey, I've got this issue or that issue. Uh, can you help me or what do you think about this? So you get a lot, of, you field a lot of constituents things. You have a lot of committee work. Uh, that's kind of the behind the scenes stuff that folks don't think about. They see you at the regular meetings mm -hmm. that we have at the government center. But they don't see, we've have, we have 10 stand, what we call standing committees, which are permanent committees. And then we have about 10 more uh, liaison committees that, that, that legislators are on. So you go to a lot of meetings over the course of a month. And then they handle constituency complaints mm -hmm. as well. And then they handle the problems within their own committee. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of work. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, hard to put, it's hard to put hours on it. Yeah, but you're not it's punching kind of, a clock, but it's every day. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like, a lot like real estate, except with off hours. <laughs> oh yeah, just that's a good like example. Whenever, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like on, like yesterday being a Sunday, I had people texting me and calling me all day long, like yep. just on a normal Sunday. But it's just, again, I I always tell people it's any any problems that I have in real estate are self inflicted. You know what I mean? I bring yeah. them upon myself, so yeah. I never I never uh, I never complain about them, even though right. they might drive you crazy. It's like at the end of the day, it's like you've you've gotten you to a certain us. level that that's just comes with the territory. So, um, perfect. Well, we'll end there. I want to thank you obviously for coming on and, uh, keep up the good work and everything you guys are doing. I think it's, like I said, I'm, I'm very, uh, pro Plattsburgh going forward. I just think we have a lot of, a lot of, uh, dedicated people, but people that have the right intent with the position they're in and you know there's, they're doing it for the right reason. So, well, that's the strength of our area. The people, the people are the strength of this area. That's what's going to see us through the tough times. That's what will see us through the good times and lead us to the good times are, are the people of this area, folks like yourselves and others, as I said, and it's kept you here since 1978. So it has, how <laughs> can I leave? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, in there, that is episode 67 of the Galen Trombley show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. 
you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.